That was perfect. Thank you. Heads up, heads up, heads up. Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, D1A College Rugby President Paul Keeler. New York Sevens and USA Rugby Talk with Steve Lewis. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Irish Rugby Tours, the Rugby Tours people, the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street, and Lean and Limber. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you for joining myself, Matt McCarthy, and Steve Lewis in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby, and Stephen full show ahead of us including topics like D1A Rugby New York Sevens Tournament and even USA Rugby with a big name calling in but first I want to welcome you back in your you look you look very nice today. I thank you yeah. I wish I could say the same for you yeah well I I know this I guess we could segue right into the New York Sevens Tournament Steve because the reason I look like this so what happened to you I, I happen to find out that I have a, a rare condition. I'm allergic to tackling. <laughs> you just found that out. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. It's it was it was it had been a while, but I, you know I put the put the old trusty scrub cap on, and this is what happens when you get into bottom of rocks, ladies and gentlemen. All right, New York Rugby Club Sevens Tournament, spectacular day. Uh, yours truly was there with the NYRC Old Stars, the New York Rugby Club, of course, hosting the team, the uh, the tournament again. Uh, you can see our little program here, but you were coaching again. Actually, I wasn't coaching. Oh, you weren't coaching? Yeah, for the first time, I wasn't coaching in a long time. But I, I was saw out you, there. you in your Jamaica hat, yeah, your yeah. Bulldogs shirt, or your Northeast shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. scouting. So scouting. I was looking at Jamaica eligible players, looking at, uh, obviously, with Northeast USA women's eligible players. Um, looking at some high school stuff as well for Army. So just busy watching and interacting, meeting people. Fantastic day. You know, reconnecting with grassroots rugby, basically. And a uh, lot, of, lot of teams, a lot of players having fun in the sunshine. And it, it wasn't that cold. Yeah, and and a day, the, the next day on Sunday, we couldn't have been more miserable. Could you imagine that Sevens tournament taking place in the conditions we had here in New York on Sunday? It was a miserable Sunday. Oh, my for, God. That was for other reasons. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were overserved. We we learned about... Uh, expressions. Expressions. You know. Single malts, expressions. Google it, expressions. We were very expressive Saturday night. But anyway, uh, there was some very good rugby played on, in that tournament. And you see anything? Uh, that yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually think uh, the quality of the women's sevens, again, um, continues to improve. You know, I think it was won by Atlantis, coached by our good friend Tom Fury. Heads up, heads up, heads up! <laughs> Atlantis did a great job. A couple of West Point girls playing. Uh, Gio and Bailey, a couple of my girls there. Um, but the standard was pretty good. Um, great showing by Roots Rugby. Six teams out there. It's yeah. an interesting thing that they're doing. And so kudos to them. Uh, I thought the standard of the men's premier was down a little bit. Um, you know, bounced by the women's being slightly up. Well, it was, it was the standard in the men's may have been down, but it was totally uplifted in the uh, social division of the men's by the likes of the New York Rugby Club Old Stars. Sure. Yeah. Great follow. I'm just trying sure. to plug myself here, folks, playing rugby. This isn't from rugby. It's from a whole different thing. Big week for sevens, though. Dubai coming up. You know, and although the women have already played one leg at Glendale, which they won, the USA Women's Eagles won uh, in great style. Uh, Dubai always seems like the start of the year, start, right. of the start of the season. So that's coming up this weekend, actually Thursday afternoon, Friday in Dubai. Uh, both the men and women uh, going well. It's an Olympic year. This is, the, this is almost the kickoff. So good luck to 
So, so it's an Olympic year, mm-hmm. and both teams have qualified. As a coach, are you looking to win these tournaments, or are you looking to put yourself in the best situation for the Olympics? Uh, both. Right. So you're competitors. You always want to win the tournament. Um, I think for both Mike Friday and Chris Brown, their respective coaches, having qualified takes some pressure off. Um, so that there's not this sort of have to win, have to win, have to win in order to make Tokyo. So they, they can take a longer view. Uh, perhaps in the beginning of the year, they can do a bit more squad rotation. They can get people minutes. They can take a look at different people. Um, but there's always this balance between, um, you know, getting momentum, getting cohesion in the team uh, and exposing new players. And sort of towards the, to, for me, towards the middle, start of the, the end, middle of the season, you've got to start going with your, put your best foot forward, picking your best team. They have the opportunity, having qualified, to experiment perhaps a little bit sure. these first two legs. New York Sevens aside, we also had some other stuff going on in the American landscape. We had a bit of um, another financial crisis with USA Rugby, and we we're going to have Ross Young on the show, CEO of uh, USA Rugby, but you're also a USA Congress member. You've been in the Twitter crossfire, crosshairs with two columns that you wrote for Rugby Wrap-Up. Give us the skinny. Without your head exploding. We're, you know, another year, another bankruptcy, basically. Um, another colossal financial failure on behalf of USA Rugby, the uh, administration of USA Rugby. So everything's going swimmingly, trying to get out from under last year's hole. Third quarter, boom, 1.2 million shortfall out of the blue. Two main reasons, uh, 800,000 overspend in high performance, predominantly men's 15s, 625,000. And 400,000 in unanticipated legal fees um, on the pro rugby lawsuit and the United World Sports Vegas Sevens lawsuit. So, unconscionable fiscal mismanagement, zero oversight, poor budgets, bad administration, incompetence. There just aren't enough words for it. Um, unfortunately, there's, there have only been partial explanations, and certainly it's only been mid level people that have, um, you know, been fired. Dave Hodges, good loyal soldier. Uh, Chris Hansen, sort of, sort of, I'm not unfairly maligned. A guy puts stuff in his own credit card um, a lot of times on U.S. trips. So, so there's a feeling. Certainly, it's the the grassroots feeling for me is is angrier than it ever has been, and that's caused by the second issue here. So we have the overspend, not good. They've compounded their woes by using membership funds to um, basically pay for their cash flow problems. So they have illegally misdirected, misappropriation of funds. It's illegal. Um, they've used those well, we're funds. Not, we're not lawyers here. We're not lawyers. It's still illegal in Colorado and everywhere else. Um, so they, they've done that, which was a, a mistake. Um, and I think they haven't really owned up to that yet publicly and fessed up to it. Uh, the problem is they owe 800000 to a variety of their constituent members, high school, youth organizations, referee societies, geographic unions, College conferences. I'm the board of Enscrow. They owe us money. These, the inability or the unwillingness or this, this partial non-payment program they've come up with is hurting grassroots rugby. They've yet to well, explain what, about, what if one's to make the argument that there has to be some austerity in times of crisis? Austerity. They're using our funds, okay, these funds, the, these, these grassroots organizations are struggling. They're, they're hand-to-mouth organizations. They haven't got the money that they've paid. So now we 
Okay, membership has paid their money. USA Rugby's used their money illegally over here and have to go to World Rugby to pay back the membership what they're owed, what they're already owed. In no way, shape, or form is this cromulent. And on that note, don't go away. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. That's good beer. You're watching Rugby Rebel! What happened to your face? It's a rugby tournament. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't started yet. How do you know that? Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis. Uh, we're still talking American rugby, Stephen. I know you yeah. love when I say that. College rugby this time, though. College rugby and some big doings, some positive stuff going on in the college front. And who better to speak to? And Mr. Paul Keeler. All right, Paul Keeler, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, is involved in D1A College Rugby. He's the president? Yeah, president of College Rugby America, which uh, encompasses D1A. All right, so some big news uh, in the last couple of weeks from you guys. I was uh, fortunate enough to experience your Liberty Conference uh, championships up at the Fairfield University, but we had news there that there was a breaking network deal. Yes, we've just signed a deal with 11 Sports. And it's a three-year deal uh, right now. It, it encompasses 20-plus uh, regular season games, all of our playoffs, some sevens tournaments, uh, and a weekly college show. Okay, so the deal itself. Uh, tell us about the network and the reach. 11 Sports, uh, through, through its reach, is about uh, 80 million homes, they are on Pluto, Zumo, so you can get that on Comcast Digital. Uh, plus, they're on uh, satellite TV. But the the big addition is that uh, FTF Sports Network through their app, which is uh, our deal is worldwide, so the app is available worldwide um, to see our game. So the the reach is is greater than that. It, it uh, anybody in any country can see it. There's no uh, as of this point. There's no coding. Or zoning uh, restrictions, um, so anybody can get it. And all the games that are shown live are also shown digitally and are available to recast digitally. That's very cool, Stephen. Yeah, Paul. Hi there. So Paul and I have something in common, of course, having both coached the best team in New York, Old Blue. Um, but Paul, question for you: Call it collegiate rugby. You've been involved in D1A for some time now. How do you rate the uh, standard of the game in college rugby, particularly D1A? You feel? Uh, do you see any trends going up, getting better, stagnating? What are your well, I thoughts? Definitely think, I definitely think the game's improving. I think when you watch uh, over the last couple of years, for instance, like the Liberty Conference, I mean, when you watch those games, you can see their standard is improving. And I think with this deal, it's definitely going to help. You know, you're going to see you know some body shapes change, of course, because guys they see themselves on TV. They, they it changes their perspective. <laughs> but also gives them ability to, to look at their game and really try to improve. Um, 
And I think there still is a, a big chasm, you know, that the top five, six teams are still well above, you know, the, the, the rest of the, the conference. Uh, but I think you're going to see that start to improve. And I think this is a big part of it where we're able to hold people to standards and they're able to challenge themselves and actually see the outcome and see what their game looks like. Cause I don't think enough college teams have been doing that film review and able to see it. And we're already seeing that uptick uh, from coaches and from the players with, with the interest and desire to be involved. Yeah, so no, no question this is a terrific deal for collegiate rugby and for you guys in particular, um, so congrats. Just one other issue in collegiate rugby you and I have discussed, um, perhaps you could lay out and explain. Seasonality, does this affect in any way, obviously we've got a continent, different um, schedules, different sort of appetites from coaches. Does this help? Well, I think the thing that, that people need to understand, first of all, from my own perspective, I, I went to school in, in Buffalo at a small college. Uh, so I understand that. I understand the seasonality uh, issue more so than, than the average uh, person would, would understand it. But with the seasonality debate, I think what people need to understand, especially when it comes to this deal, if we didn't have the season that we have and, and have our championships in the spring, we wouldn't have gotten this deal in the first place. And I think that's w w a big part of the seasonality debate, which we've always taken uh, at D1A is to say, we understand the weather's an issue. Let's agree where we agree and work together for a common goal. And the common goal in this case was to start to get a production deal. It doesn't happen without playing our playoffs and having a national championship, which is what the network wanted uh, when we talked to them. That, that's what interested them. Uh, but also the fact that we're able to play out our season over months I think there's a number of issues that people forget. If you tried to play 300 games, which is what our league plays in the course of a season, it'd be very difficult to get that done in the fall, but also it'd be very difficult to find the number of referees it would take to get those games done. And I think that really gets overlooked. And I think this deal is a great example of how uh, seasonality has worked to our favor or the current seasonality issue has worked to our favor. And I think that people really need to bear that in mind and the deal would not have happened. And it gives us and the network the ability to spread out games over the course of months and find the right uh, approach to promoting our game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, they're looking for content. So in, in this case, the, the seasonality thing is, is, as you say, Paul, played into your It's hands. a plus. Yeah, yeah, it's a plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people that criticize some of the stuff that goes on in, in American rugby are from other countries that are very small, have great infrastructure, train systems, and everything else. The reality that we have here is this vast country and different climates that are going to come into play when we, when we deal with rugby. But, you know, Paul, I got to give a shout out to Canisius College because it's in my University of Buffalo realm. And if you have a Canisius College rugby hat, I'll be glad to put it on the set to represent the, uh, the people of Buffalo. But we played... In snow, we talked about this off camera. Everybody plays in snow. They play in heat. They play in whatever. But it's too much travel time. Too expensive, I should say. Yeah, definitely. And as a league, we try to mitigate costs for teams that make the playoffs. Uh, obviously, teams pay dues, and some of that dues does go towards that expense. So when teams make the playoffs, they can expect some sort of uh, compensation from the league towards travel. And it varies based on how much team spends, a team would spend to travel to a location 
And I think that a lot of times people forget that and they don't really understand how all of this works. We're essentially self-funded. We don't get money from, from the union to a great deal. We, we do get some out of our dues, which helps pay for our league commissioner. But the rest is us sort of working together to find ways to uh, lessen that load. As you guys said, we, we do play on a continent. Um, so trying to manage that and find the right locations that help bring in funding as well for uh, events is definitely a big challenge. I mean, it's it's all a good problem to have, especially since, you know, the three of us can remember the days when we just watched that Barbarians versus the All Blacks tape, and now we can watch college rugby on television from different dev- devices from wherever we are. So um, final question for me, Paul. Um, obviously, this is a D1A thing. You guys have run with it. You've negotiated. It's your gig. Um, do you see any possibility of cooperation with, say, Enscrow, small colleges, or Naira, the women's elite game? Um, any, any opportunities for them? Absolutely. So th- one of the things that we didn't actually release in the in the initial press release is that in our negotiations with Eleven and FTF, we actually took into account and we added in uh, as a start six women's games that we're going to look to broadcast throughout the year. Some of those, depending on the year will be potentially in-season games, but really we're trying to work with them now with, with D1 Elite and Near and, and different organizations uh, on the women's side to get their championships broadcast on 11 and FTF. And we are also working with Enscro um, to get some of their uh, championship games shown as well. So we definitely want to work with these other organizations. It, it, this wasn't a selfish thing. It was really about as I said, Eleven came to us several years ago before we did a deal with, with RIM. Uh, they came to us and they wanted our championship games and our playoffs. And it, the conversation really grew from there. And just adding in these, these little bits and pieces, because obviously, uh, as rugby's growing, they don't want to bite the whole apple just yet. They want to take their little bite, start with the championships and work down. We've been sort of lucky in that we've been able to grow our deal into something a little bit more substantial to help all of our teams and conference champions, championships and the like, and, and special key games. So we definitely want to look and help the rest of college rugby pull into the fold. Army, Navy, women doubling up with Army, Navy, men. There's one for you, March 28th. Go for it. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, Steve, it's a great example. Like, so when there's opportunities like that where, where we can do double headers, it becomes a real easy conversation to have with, with 11 FTF to say, Hey, we've already got this game that we're, we're producing. There's a women's game that can follow up. It's an easy uptick to co- to cover that game at a minimal cost. Very exciting. Paul, I know that you're uh, pressed for time and we got to get out of here before uh, we're getting the word that we're out of time. So on that note, Paul, final thoughts. I just think this is a great deal for college rugby. There hasn't been a deal like it. The ability to reach multiple conferences, multiple levels, really engage alumni and schools in order to promote the game and so they see value in the game and hopefully expand their resources at the individual universities. But more than anything, it's the ability to try to attract people who aren't rugby fans yet or their old rugby fans and get them back into the game. 
Good stuff, my friend. Good stuff and continued success. Stephen, we are out of time. I want to thank Mr. Paul Keeler for coming on. Congratulations on the contract. On behalf of Mr. Steve Lewis, Mr. Paul Keeler, I'm Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan for Rugby Wrap-Up. Signing off till next time.